Chapter Two of Isaac Bickerstaff. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Isaac Bickerstaff, Physician and Astrologer, by Richard Steele. Chapter Two. Hasselwood. From my own apartment, May eighth. Much hurry and business have to-day perplexed me into a mood too thoughtful for going into company, for which reason, instead of the tavern, I went into Lincoln's Inn walks, and having taken a round or two, I sat down, according to the allowed familiarity of these places, on a bench, at the other end of which sat a vulnerable gentleman, who, speaking with a very affable air, Mr. Rickerstaff, said he, I take it for a very great piece of good fortune that you have found me out. Sir, I said, I have never thought I know of the honor of C. That, replied he, is what I have lamented, but I assure you, I have for many years done you good offices without being observed by you, or else, when you had any little glimpses of my being concerned in an affair, you have fled from me, and shunned me like an enemy, but, however, the part I am to act in the world is such that I am go to go on in doing good, though I meet with never so many repulses, even in those I oblige. This, thought I, shows great good nature, little judgment in the persons upon whom he confers his favors. He immediately took notice to me that he observed by my countenance I thought him indiscreet in his benefits, and proceeded to tell me his quality in the following manner. I know Isaac, so to be so well first in the occult sciences, that I need not much preface, or make long preparations to gain your faith, that there are airy beings, who are employed in the care of attendants men, as nurses are to infants, till they come to an age in which they can act of themselves. These beings are usually called amongst men guardian angels, and, Mr. Bickerstaff, I am to acquaint you that I am to be yours for some time to come, being our orders to vary our stations, and sometimes to have our patient under our protection, and sometimes another with a power of assuming what shape we please, to ensnare our wards into their own good. I have of late been upon such a hearty, and know you have so much work for me, that I think fit to appear to your face to face, to desire you will give me as little occasion for vigilance as you can. Sir, said I, it will be a great instruction to me in my behaviour, if you please to give me some account of your late employments, 
on and what hardships or satisfactions you have had in them that i may govern myself accordingly he answered to give you example of the drudgery we go through i will entertain you only with three last stations i was on the first of april last put to multiply a great beauty with whom i was a week from her i went to a common swearer have been last with a gamester when i first came to my lady i found my work was to guard well with her eyes and ears but her flatterness was so numerous and the house after the modern way so full of looking-glasses that i seldom had her safe but in her sleep whenever we went abroad we were surrounded by an army of enemies when a well-made man appeared he was sure to have a side glance of observation if a disagreeable fellow had a ill face out of the more inclination to conquests but at the close of the evening on the sixth of the last month my ward was sitting on a couch reading ovid's epistles and as she came to this line of helen to paris she half consents who silently denies entered philander who is the most skilful of all men in the address to women he is arrived at the perfection of that art which gains them which is to talk to a very reasonable miserable man but look like a very happy one i saw dictina blush at his entrance which gave me the alarm but he immediately said something so agreeable on her being at study and the novelty of finding a lady employed in so grave a manner that he on a sudden became a familiarly a man of no consequence and in an instant made all her suspicions of his skill asleep and as had almost done mine till i observed him very dangerously turn his discourse upon the elegance of her dress and her judgment in the choice of that very pretty morning having had women before under my care i trembled at the apprehension of a man of sense who could talk upon trifles and resolved to stick to my post with all the circumspection imaginable in short i prepossessed her against all he could say to the advantage of her dress and person but he turned again the discourse where i found i had no power over her on the abusing her friends and acquaintance he followed indeed that laura had a little beauty and a great deal of wit but then she was so keenly in her behaviour and such a laughing hoyden pastorella had with him the allowance of being blameless but what was towards being praiseworthy to be only innocent is not to be virtuous we afterwards spoke so much against mrs dipple's forehead mr prim's mouth mr dentrife's teeth 
and Mr. Fidget's cheeks, that she go right in love with him, for it is always to be understood that a lady takes all you detract from the rest of her sex to be a gift to her. In a word, things went so far that I was dismissed. The next, as I said, I went to was a common swearer. Never was a creature so puzzled as myself when I first came to view his brain. Half of it was worn out and filled up with mere expletives that had nothing to do with any other parts of the texture. Therefore, when he called for his clothes in the morning, he would cry, John, John does not answer. What a plague, nobody there. What the devil, he brought me, John, for lazy dogs as you are. I knew no way of him, but by writing down all he said one morning, as he was dressing, and laying it before him in the toilet when he came to pick his teeth. The last recital I gave him of what he had said for half an hour before was, What the devil, where is the washball? Call the chairman. They, them. I warrant they are at the alehouse already. Zounds, and confound them. When he came to the glass, he takes up my note. Ha! This fellow is worse than me. What does he swear with pen and ink? But reading on, he found them to be his own words. The strange men had so good an effect upon him that he grew immediately a new man, and is learning to speak without an oath, which makes him extremely short in his phrases, for... As I observed before, a common swearer has a brain without any idea on the swearing side. Therefore, my word was yet mighty little say, and was forced to substitute some of the vehicle of nonsense to supply the defect of his usual expletives. When I left him, he made use of obbodskins, owe me, and never stir alive and so forth, which gave me hopes of his recovery. So I went to the next I told you of, the gamester. When we were first took our place about in man, the receptacles of the perensium are immediately searched. In his I found no one ordinary trace of thinking, but strong passion, violent desires, and a continued series of different changes and torn it to pieces there appeared no middle condition the triumph is or the misery of a beggar where his alternate states i was with him no longer than one day which was yesterday in the morning at twelve we were four four thousand pounds at three we arrived at six thousand half an hour after we were reduced to one thousand at four of the clock, we were down to two hundred, at five, to fifty, at six, to five, at seven, to one guinea. The next begged to nothing. This morning he borrowed half a crown of the maid who cleans his shoes, is now gaming in Lincoln's in fields among the boys for farthings and oranges, till he has made up three pieces and then he returns to White's 
into the best company in town. Thus ended our first discourse, and it is hoped that you will forgive me that I have picked so little out of my companion at our first interview. In the next it is possible he may tell me more pleasing incidents, for though he is familiar, he is not an evil spirit. End of chapter 2 Read by Elijah Fisher